Hello, welcome to Med Ed, a podcast where we talk all things medical. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the novel coronavirus, what it is, how it spreads, and pandemics of the past. In today's podcast, to help explain the coronavirus, I brought in Dr. Joseph Ferreter, an expert in hospice and palliative care, family medicine, and population health. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. So the first question is, what is the coronavirus, and where does it originate from in nature? Coronavirus is a specific type of virus described by a crown of proteins on the virus itself. The virus, viruses in general are parasites in nature because they do not uh, grow without a host. They use RNA or DNA to insert themselves into a host and then divide and grow. So the coronavirus, we think, had a reservoir in bats in China and then possibly through a wet market with live animals, the virus was transferred possibly to a pangolin, which is a type of like armadillo type animal, and then brought to the wet market. Then because they're held in difficult circumstances, a lot of the animals get sick, and that possibly could have been transferred to an animal that got an upper respiratory infection and then that got transferred to humans. But we're not exactly sure. Wow, that's uh, quite a story about where this come from. And so you said it brought to the animal market and all that stuff. So how does it spread to humans? And once it gets into humans, how does it continue to spread to become a pandemic? Well, if humans haven't seen it before, they don't have antibodies to protect themselves against it. Antibodies are, are immune system's way of seeing a foreign protein and then putting a label on it that allows our immune system to destroy it. Now, what happens in a wet market is if, say, some birds get that coronavirus from the pangolin, then they start coughing and they aerosolize the virus and the people working in the market inhale that virus or it hits one of their mucous membranes, like their eyes or their mouth, then they get infected and they get an upper respiratory infection and they start coughing or sneezing or um, breathing heavily and they put air, droplets of air, of um, a virus into the air and then other people inhale. And then the other people don't have antibodies and then they get sick and then they travel all over the world and it becomes a pandemic. Okay, and what does the coronavirus do to the human body? How does it kill people? Well, only a very small amount of people are killed by it. Usually those are older people and people with significant health risks, such as heart disease or lung disease or diabetes. And so what happens is it infects the cells of the upper respiratory tract, like your lungs and... um, your throat um, and gets into your bloodstream and then when it replicates it causes inflammation and that inflammation um, generally I think most people are dying from pneumonia and so then they get extra fluid 
and mucus in their lungs and then they don't get they're not able to breathe and get enough oxygen and so they they pass away from that oh okay and so we're trying to prevent this coronavirus and testing is one of the best ways to prevent it so you can locate hotspots so how does the coronavirus testing work what do we test for are there different types of tests how does that all work so there, in general, there's two types of tests. The first one is if, you, if you're sick in any way, like if you have a sore throat or a cough or a fever, you would get the PCR. That stands for polymerase chain reaction test. And they do a deep nasal swab or a nasopharyngeal swab where they'll stick a swab, uh, a special swab in your nose pretty far back into your sinuses and get mucus from that and then they test it using preliminaries chain reaction uh, technology and, and they actually count if there's any virus there. So they find out how many, if there is any virus at all in your system. Now the other test is an antibody test and that is a test to see whether you've seen the virus in the past and have made antibodies to the virus. Now um, it is, if that's negative, then we know you haven't been exposed. But if that's positive, it gets somewhat confusing because in a population that has a low incidence of the disease, a positive result might be a false positive. So in a low incidence area, if you have a positive antibody, the risk of being a false positive can be up to 50%. Okay, so basically, get tested if you can, but you know there's the risk of running that false positive. And so my final question for you is, in the future, we're probably going to have more pandemics and more viruses, but how are we trying to prevent and stop the future pandemics from spreading? Well, I think, uh, you know, there, there are people who, virologists who go out into caves and study bats, and they're looking at... Uh, what novel viruses they find in the bats and then see if we can produce um, 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 immunizations for that. But the biggest thing we can do is not spread the virus once it gets here. And that would be, you know, wearing a face mask and washing your hands and not touching your face and covering your eyes. Okay, so basically to prevent your further spread of the pandemic. Just social distance and stuff like that. All right. Well, it's not, I mean, it, it, you know, social distancing is important because that's how the droplets of virus get spread. But it's important to wear your mask and wash your hands and clean surfaces and wear your goggles. Okay. After my interview with Dr. Joseph Ferder, I was intrigued and wanted to learn more about past pandemics, more specifically the 1918 Spanish flu. To help me learn more, I consulted Bryson Garland, an expert in the Spanish flu. My first question for him was, what made this virus so deadly, as it killed over 50 million people? His response was that it was the culmination of bad hygiene and war. Throughout World War I, millions of soldiers fought in crowded and dirty trenches, which were breeding grounds for the virus. There were little latrines and practically no showers or other ways to clean oneself. This intrigued me, so I asked him what was the origin of the virus and what made this pandemic so famous. And he actually responded in a surprising way. He said that we don't even know what the uh, 1918 pandemic was. 
and that one of the contributing factors to the pandemic's fame was that rich people and poor people alike were contracting the virus. This further surprised me as I assumed rich people and royalty would be sitting in their mansions and be automatically social distancing. But apparently that's not true. And so I asked him my final question, and that was, why is the Spanish flu called the Spanish flu? And he responded by saying that the king of Spain contracted the virus, and that's the reason it's named the Spanish flu. And so with royalty being affected and the massive death tolls, it really shows how the 1918 pandemic was an eye-opener for the human race. And yet, here we are today, stuck in a pandemic. Anyways, that's it for my episode, and thanks for listening to this podcast, and I hope to see you again. Thank you.